Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. Hop on the trend if it makes sense for your brain. I think there's a fine line between being trendy and being thirsty. Thirsty for the attention, just trying to get on something because you want to go viral. And I think a lot of consumers and users on platforms can see through that pretty easily. And you don't want to be that brand that's just, you know, hopping on every single trend because you want to get the followers. What do brands like Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, Vital Proteins, and Blendjet all have in common? They're increasing their abandoned cart revenues by over 10x with retention.com. Visit retention.com to book a demo today. What's up, everybody? I'm with one of the best in social today. Uh, she's worked for some cool brands. She'll tell you a little bit about them. Danielle Trevino, great to have you on the podcast. Could you give a little background? How did you get into social media and, and marketing? Yeah, so you could please feel free to call me Danny. That's what all my my friends call me. So I would classify myself as somebody who is at the cusp of that whole like Gen Z millennial line. And how I got into social media, honestly, was just kind of being a native user. I went to a really unique high school. I went to kind of like an art focused high school or like a media focused high school so all of our electives were kind of like here's how you're going to learn graphic design here is a textbook that is yay big and then all of us had to learn how to do InDesign, photoshop illustrator flash and then the next year would be like okay your electives video production all of you're gonna learn premiere or uh, final cut pro and all of you're gonna have these like really intense video skills at the age of like 15 and 16 and then all of our projects were just like go out and make short films or like documentaries and stuff. So having that exposure at like that really prime age of like, you know, your teenage years definitely impacted uh, what I wanted to do when I went to college. And definitely I thought I was going to go to an art school for college. I did end up doing that, but I ended up majoring in studio art and communication in college. And because I had those like graphic design and video production skills, I found that I tended to get a lot more internship opportunity than other people because a lot of small nonprofits would really benefit from having just like a little intern that you would never pay, which don't get me started on unpaid internships. But um, they'd be like, oh, like we basically have a free graphic designer now. And then I kind of found that I didn't really enjoy that kind of experience as much because I kind of felt like I wasn't getting paid. I'm like, I could have been doing freelance and getting paid and didn't got in the same experience. So my interest has always been from like a pretty early age. And then a lot of those video production and social media skills go hand in hand, same with graphic design. So I kind of found myself like just kind of natively gravitating toward the marketing and social media industry. Um, also, I'm so sorry, my dog is barky because I think somebody's here. <sighs> Oh, can you hear her or can I keep going? You keep going. 
Okay. Uh, but yeah, I think that's kind of how I kind of gravitated toward that industry has always been like a, an interest of mine from a young age. And now I kind of work in it professionally and I've been around the block a couple of times that I kind of have seen the rise and fall of certain social media trends, certain social media platforms. So I feel like I've seen the gambit of things. So one thing that is really cool about you, you've worked with some cool brands, Whataburger, Twitter, now Crayola, which are some of the best brands in the world. What are your biggest learnings from those brands and what are your favorite things about working for for big brands like those? One of my biggest learnings is just from personal experience, especially early on when I was at Whataburger, was learning the difference between what your personal perception of a brand is versus their actual perception to a general audience. And then working on the internal brand side, who you think your audience is might not actually be who your audience is, especially, um, you know, whatever is a fast food, quick service restaurant, very big in Texas and Southern states. It, what we wanted to do on social media sometimes was maybe a little too progressive for who our actual audience was, like audience who would buy the food. So I always thought like kind of walking that fine line was something that uh, we had to get used to. Similarly with Crayola, who our audience is, like the purchasers of the product are parents and not kids because, you know, kids have to rely on their parents to buy them things. So kind of uh, keeping that in mind, like what is appealing to a child on social media? Are children even on social media versus or a TV commercial? Like depending on where like your media spot is definitely changes when you think of your consumer. So learning that lesson pretty early on, I think has been really helpful. One thing we talked about before we started in the podcast is how social media is ever-changing. What are some of the biggest changes you've had to deal with from when you started first working to now at Crayola? When I was entering the job market kind of like in 2019 after I graduated from college, I feel like influencer stuff was still uh, on the come up. We were just launching our influencer program when I was at Whataburger. And now that, you know, it's 2023, I feel like most brands in some capacity have already worked with influencers, right? So I think also the transition from, okay, the really big influencers are the people like getting the money, getting the good brand deals. There's like a macro influencers. I think now the focus is heavily on micro and nano influencers especially on a platform like TikTok because everything is so curated to the individual that a lot of nano influencers and micro influencers with smaller followings compared to like what we used to see with Instagram back in the day. I feel like a lot of those people can still get brand deals because they usually tend to have highly engaged audiences that really trust the content creator. So I feel now at this point, I feel like everybody is kind of an influencer even if you're not getting like the deals like officially for a brand, I feel like there is a lot more influence horizontally than it is vertically at this point. So I think that's been one of the most interesting changes by far. How are you thinking about that at Creo? Like when you work on social media, how do you look at who you should partner with? How do you 
create brand loyalists out of those people. How do you think about that? So I'm currently in the process of doing that just because I think between me starting and when the person in this previous role left, that's about like a six months time difference. So there are some things that are definitely a little higher on the priority, but that's definitely something I'm going to be focusing on in the next couple of months. But I think, you know, kind of identifying people who are just natively posting about your brand and kind of just a lot of teachers love Crayola, obviously. A lot of parents love Crayola. Um, finding those people natively and then keeping them in a little file in the back of your mind for when you know when we start doing an influencer program, reaching out to those people again. Um, I always think it's a great way when you're planning something to kind of start with the people who are there organically, right? Because they're uh, there, they must really love your stuff if they're talking about it and they're not getting paid to talk about it. Perhaps there's the angle that they want to get shared by like, a brand as user-generated content. But I also think that's just a really great way to start. And then, you know, as you get further into different campaigns and stuff, you can start kind of targeting, like, if you want a specific demographic, you know, as your influencers. But I think starting organically tends to be advice I would give. So when you started Crayola, how do you think about that first like 30, 60, 90 days of when you're starting a new role in social? So honestly, it's a lot of catch up. It's a lot of onboarding. Our onboarding process is a little bit longer than some other places, but I think it's helping me get acclimated to the company and the coworkers, especially because I'm fully remote and there are a lot of people who go into the office, which is in Pennsylvania and I'm in Texas. So a lot of that kind of, you know, traditional corporate stuff, you have to get just like used to people and go to meetings and meet people, especially the ones you're going to work cross-functionally with. But um, regarding that, I think it's, again, I'm bad at backfill. So I think it's kind of getting the accounts to where they were previously and then growing them. For me, it's a lot of learning and testing early on, like on each channel, who is our audience, who is our demographic, what content works the best per platform and then kind of having my learnings from that looking at the data the analytics and then coming up with a strategy to move us forward and figuring out how we can grow each platform um it's kind of how i'm picturing like my 30 60 and 90 days and then also making sure i'm aligning really consistently with the different brand priorities especially when it comes to product especially because stationary and toy I have not worked in those industries previously. I'm coming from food and big tech. So just kind of like the different nuances from switching industries on the big picture, but still staying within social media within those industries is something that I'm still kind of getting used to. So you worked at Twitter. What are some things that you saw, like cool things that you saw brands do while working at Twitter? What are some like cool lessons? What are the, some of the coolest brands that you saw interacting with people on Twitter? One of the features I thought was just so cool. I don't really see a lot of brands doing this anymore, but there was the branded like, which I thought was so ingenious. So what a lot of movie studios would actually do for um, a big movie that was going to be released or something, the branded like is when you are a user and you go to like something on Twitter And instead of it being like the little red heart, it's like a different emoji or it's a different customized thing to that account. So one that I really loved was uh, for the movie Scream, they had like a slasher knife 
be the emoji. I just thought that was the funniest thing. I know Marvel had a couple of different ones too. And then for different TV shows. So something like Game of uh, like Game of Thrones, like of this, that would be an example of a brand who would have probably done that if this was around. But I feel like House of Dragon had one. And it was probably like the Targaryen symbol, like the dragon. Those stood out to me just because they were super expensive to do so. It was very intentional whenever a brand did it. And we were lucky enough to, when I was running the Twitter business handle, we were one of the first at Twitter handles to test out that feature. Because of course, you know, engineers want internal teams to test out something in case there's a bug. Like you got, it's pretty low stakes when it's internal versus like you do it in a client has a mess up or something, you know? So we did it and they, um, Twitter business was mostly creating content for um, small to medium, SMB, small to medium businesses. So we were doing a really cute campaign for, um, shop small like small business week and they made like a little storefront logo that we had for a week instead of the red heart and i just thought that was really cool i mean internal product so you know helping out getting the word out about a product and then seeing it be live was i thought really cool that's super awesome also the one thing i used to love i don't know if they do it anymore too is when they used to have those branded hashtags when you can like hashtag things and there was like that little logo on the side too. I thought that was cool. I still see that one used really often. Um, I forgot like the most recent season of The Bachelor like just finished and I know they have usually a rose at the end of it or um, again for a lot of HBO shows they have like White Lotus had something I think it was like like the flower at the end of the hashtag. I feel like a lot of things that people live tweet about, like sporting events, world events. I know the Super Bowl had one recently. Um, lots of movies. I feel like I feel like Succession had one at one point. I'm not really sure, but stuff like that where they know there's a lot of people natively talking about a topic. That tends to be when you see brands using that type of branded like or kind of like the sponsored like. Also. Some things that you saw with um, like how brands interact with each other. I think one of the things some brands do on Twitter very well is they have these like social media managers are just basically having conversations with each other from the bet brand accounts, which I think that's so hilarious when they just hop on. Even when the even with this, what is that? Love is blind. Uh, Netflix and all the brands are coming in saying sassy things it was hilarious seeing accounts be there the hulu one because obviously hulu and netflix are streaming competitors but when that happened hulu posted like the funniest photo and they didn't even need to add netflix they didn't even have to do any type of hashtag everyone just knew what they were talking about and i thought it was so ingenious one that i also always come back to because it's just shocking that it even happened from a brand perspective is when I was at Twitter, I remember there was this thing about like sexy candy bars or something. Like I think Snickers had posted something like an image of a candy bar and it was supposed to be like really enticing or something. And then other people started sexualizing it and then other brands started doing something similar. And I was just like, how have we made candy sexualized on the internet? Like this is a very interesting and seeing what brands jumped on that trend, especially food brands, I just thought was hilarious. 
I think of course Wendy's and it's like one of the social media account staples I feel like everyone talks about. I think they chimed in on that and I definitely feel like uh, that is a trend that it has come kind of like from Duolingo just because I think they're the personification of their logo, the owl, um, and putting that owl in different situations, I feel like has started that trend with a lot of other social media brands trying to be as bold as they are. So that, that's that been an interesting one to watch as well. When, as a social media manager, do you think you brand should hop on trends versus not hop on trends? When is the right way to do that? It's really hard sometimes. I will say I try to give as much grace to other social media managers as I would want given to me because everyone thinks that they can do as good of a job as certain people that work in the industry just because people have individual social media accounts. But I think advice I've told people when I worked at Twitter Business is hop on the trend if it makes sense for your brand. I think there's a fine line between being trending, being thirsty thirsty for the attention, just trying to get on something because you want to go viral. And I think a lot of consumers and users on platforms can see through that pretty easily. And you don't want to be that brand that's just, you know, hopping on every single trend because you want to get the followers. I think it would make sense for your brand voice and the product that you have. I say go for it. But I would always double check that your use case does actually make sense because I think trends can go bad pretty quickly. Or the cadence for you're on the trend, but you're at the front end and it's cool versus if you're on a trend and you're late and it's kind of lame. Sometimes it can be really hard because brands have different accounts on social media than like the regular user. So like on TikTok, if there's something trending like like right now, that Wes Anderson movie trend is trending, right? But a brand probably can't hop on it because of the music and licensing with the music. Creator accounts, I don't know. I think they have access to it. But if you're like a brand business account on TikTok, they're not going to give you permission to use that song because the licensing is different for a brand versus just like a casual content creator. So I think sometimes it can be really hard to jump on certain trends too. You started in social media right before like the TikTok trends and when TikTok started rising, how has strategy changed from being meta dominant to now TikTok and YouTube shorts becoming a, a thing? That's been a really interesting transition. And I feel like that has a lot to do with certain demographics getting older so specifically like I think that has the biggest to do with Gen Z because that's where Gen Z is YouTube and TikTok versus younger and older millennials tend to be on Facebook and Instagram I also think because how algorithms are working because I feel like Instagram changes there is really often to kind of emulate what TikTok is doing I will say that I think it is easier right now to grow on TikTok than any other social media platform just because of the amount of users that TikTok has that are new and engaged users. I feel like a lot of people have Facebooks, but I wouldn't necessarily say that all of those Facebook accounts are active users, if you know what I mean, versus on TikTok. I feel like even if you're not posting on TikTok, you're probably liking stuff and have a pretty curated for you page. One thing that, at least on TikTok, is 
it shows it's very interest-based. So brands are easier to pop up in a feed where IG back in the day, you had to either like follow a brand or be a raving fan of that brand. Now you can organically discover Crayola or any brand if they do something fun that fits like your persona or your interests based on your algorithm. Yeah, for sure. And I also feel now when I'm on Instagram and just like in my feed as not in a brand account, just like in my personal Instagram, I also feel like I get served so many more ads similar with Facebook. I mean, the ads are incredibly targeted because half the time, whatever ad it is, I click on it because I'm like, oh, that looks really cute. I want to buy it. So I mean, they're working like they're doing their job especially like all of the things that get served to me that are from Amazon. And then I just go like it, like it, like it. And then whenever I feel like spending a ton of money because it gives me serotonin from online shopping, I go and I'm like, oh yeah, that thing from like two weeks ago, I want to buy it. I feel like I don't see natively like all of the friends I follow like from high school or college. I feel like it's mostly like ad driven at this point versus on TikTok. I feel like that's where the micro and nano influencers are coming out because I'm weirdly more likely to skip an ad, but listen to someone talk about a product that like feels like they changed their life or something. And you, they always have those like TikTok made me buy it products too. Like um, I feel like that Stanley cup, the one that is the 40 ounce tumbler that fits in the car and has the handle and the straw. That was really popular. But then I was like getting served de-influencing content. So I bought the competitor brain with cup, which is like the simply modern solely because it was available and got to me a lot quicker and was less expensive than Stanley. And also because there's no logo on it. There's not a logo versus like a Stanley has like a logo. So I wanted something slick. Uh, and also people did like testing comparison of the Stanley and this cup that look exactly the same. But I don't understand the difference between it besides the logo for how well it holds your drink if you spill it over. And apparently this one was better. So I don't even know if that is true or not, but I bought this one. So I'm being influenced. And there's also like the weird trend right now on TikTok of like the de-influencing, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, it's really funny too, because um, my wife, I would say 95% of her wants and needs have come from her like top 15 influencers that she follows and they won't even say anything. They'll probably just go out and wear like a cute shirt or a handbag or cute shoes. And she's like, a week later, she'll be like, oh, I really want this. And I'm like, where did you see that? And then she'll be like, yeah, this influencer was wearing it. It's, it's hilarious. It's so funny when people talk about like people being influenced to buy things. Because I work in social media and I know better, but I'm still one of those people that is so easily influenced by things. They just know I buy things very easily on TikTok. This girl was talking about how she is in France, in Paris for like a month. And what she has noticed are all the Parisian girls is that they have these things called phone leashes. So kind of similar to like a child leash or a dog leash. It is just for your cell phone. So it's basically, it looks like a dog leash, but like really stylish. And it goes around and it connects to your cell phone so you can be hands-free and have your cell phone like dangle, but it's like attached to your body. So it doesn't have to like come in and out of your purse or come in and out of like your little fanny pack pouch thing. 
And I was like, I don't know when I'm ever going to need this, but I found her exact wallet on Etsy and like added it to my cart. So I will be buying it, even though I don't plan on going to Europe anytime soon. And that's definitely not a trend I've seen in America or in Texas where I live. But I was like, I'm obsessed with this and I want it and I will buy it. Yeah, I mean, you could be the trendsetter in Texas now with with your new phone leash. That's very true. And I just thought she looked so cool with it too. And I'm just, again, very easily influenced, even though I work in the industry and know what they're trying to do. But the way that TikTok sells you things is so slick compared to other platforms right now that I know I'm absolutely being served like things to buy. Um, and it still works. So. I also think that's how consumers are liking it these days, where that's why your content needs to be feel more authentic in your ads. Even in going into paid advertising, your ads need to feel that authentic vibe. Otherwise, people are like, oh, I don't want that. But if it's somebody like, get ready with me, and here's the makeup I'm using, or get ready with me, like this is the shirt I'm wearing. It's more, it feels more organic and someone would want to wear it because it's coming from a person that feels human, that you like. It really has changed the way people are buying, which is cool. And also like the implications of COVID, right? Like everyone was already online shopping and then COVID happens. And I'm just like, there's abandoned malls all across America. There's like other stores that are just closing. I think I read this thing that Chicago, the city of Chicago, like over half of the Walmarts that are in Chicago are getting closed because they haven't been profitable for like 10 years. And I started thinking of that math and I was like, what do you mean for 10 years? Like who has a store open that's not making profit? And then I was like, well, actually, I'm like, I feel old because like 10 years ago, it's like 2013. And I was like, well, I guess like online shopping was like kind of starting to rise from that year onward. So I just think that's been really interesting, too. My wife works in e-commerce, so she loves seeing that for everybody, that everybody starts online shopping. And I think most of the time, unless it's like, something that you need to try on or if you just want to have like a fun day you go to a mall or go to a store but most of the time it's 90 percent of the time it's online that you buy something one question i had for you that i like to ask people on this podcast is what's a marketing hill you would die on the marketing hill i would die on is that you need to separate task by jobs very specifically because it is complete bullshit to like get hired for a company and you think oh like this is a social media person but then maybe sometimes there's like not enough team or resources to support that role or that person and then they expect you to be like a data analyst and like a videographer and a graphic designer and also like the brand manager the photographer like all of those are significantly very different jobs if you hire somebody first like one of those roles, be really mindful of the job description because I've definitely seen it's happened to me. It's happened to people I know where you get hired for one thing and then you get, they find out you have another skill and then that slowly just gets imported into your job description. And then you don't get compensated for that. Or they, this happens all the time. They add a new channel and that channel requires certain skill sets that you might not have or have, but it's going to cause extra work. Like 
if you were solely someone doing IG back in the day and doing grid, and then they said, do TikTok, now you have to do video and editing and all this stuff that is a whole job in itself. It just adds this whole another complication to the role. When people simply think like, oh, go on TikTok, like let's start doing a TikTok account. There's so much that goes into starting a TikTok account than people, than what people think it is. Or when older people or like who are higher up in the company are like, have you thought about going on TikTok? Like, would well, you have a TikTok strategy? And you're like, I'm working on it. Like, I know we should be on TikTok. It's harder than you think it is. And that's also, isn't that always like the pigeonhole of social media is that everyone thinks it's so much easier than it actually is. Especially like, like older people who aren't on it, like my grandparents' age who are like in their 70s. Like me trying to explain to them what my career is. They're like, what do you just do? You work for Palm? Like you're always on social media? Like you run errands? Like you have the flexibility? Like what is this? Like you don't have a real job. And I'm just like, well, I, I own my house. Like I do have a real job. Yeah, it's hilarious because it's also social media. Everybody, ha- most people have some sort of social media account. So everybody thinks that, oh, just because they posted on social media or their friend is an influencer that they understand social media. But like social media management is different than being a great creator on one platform. It's such a different role. There's so much also internal things like you talked about at the beginning of this podcast, all the onboarding you have to do, all the brand stuff you have to think about, all the demographics. Like if you're just an individual creator, that's nothing you have to deal with. Most of the time, you don't have to deal with any of that internal stuff so people just are don't understand what it takes to be a social media manager just because they have an account yeah that's true and also the historic like okay what has worked in the past like you have to get updated you have to like learn all of the context of your job too and then also think of okay well we've done that and it's been successful like how can we change it and move this life forward so it's very interesting. And then also, you know, making sure you're aligned with your established brand voice and your brand guidelines. And then being a brand, like the brand aspect of it is so interesting. And I've always gravitated toward that. That's why I've always worked in internal versus my partner who does paid social media works in an agency. And our jobs, our worlds are so different. Like if you're an agency, you might have more than one client. And then you have to like be able to quickly pivot based on that versus working on the brand side, you're always like kind of in your, you know, your sandbox and you know, like the other people in your sandbox and you know what your expectations are. And then that's the whole organic versus paid stuff too. So there's so many intricacies in social media. That's why I like to differentiate between like organic social media, paid social media. Like there's so many different sides to things. Yeah. Organic, paid, who works in social media, who doesn't work in social media, what is an influencer versus what's a creator? Like there's so many different like nuances that you have to know and have to work with. And then, like you said, someone might say, do we have a TikTok strategy? Do we have an influencer strategy? Like even me asking you this question, like what are your influencer strategies? Just like, I have like 30 other things I need to focus on right now. Like influencers like will come. Like it's just funny that. It is funny. I will say I need to take off because I, you know, unemployed from Twitter, I was like definitely going on LinkedIn for most of my job search and stuff. So I have a lot of like my my personal email account is still attached to my LinkedIn. I need to go on and just remove that because 
the amount of people in like small agencies and influencers who have reached out to me directly to ask about Crayola stuff has been so annoying. And then the amount of people who have figured out what my Crayola email is for an email account for someone at Crayola and then that email will get forwarded to me by someone else that that's not their job. Like they just like, oh no, they know, oh, Didi just got hired. She's the person who will deal with this. I'm just like, no, now I'm just emails I get like unsolicited emails it's just I'm like everyone influencers are so hot right now I mean they have been for a while that I think just all all the emails getting forwarded there's so many people who are like we can change your entire influencer strategy and I'm like I haven't started it yet (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious one question I have also for you is if someone was to start in social media today what is a piece of advice that you would give to them this is going to sound so like academic, but I feel like case studies are a very interesting way to go about learning about brands. I also feel like hands-on internships are probably your best bet because I also feel like those types of things can show you if you tend to prefer the brand side or if you think you might be better at an agency. Because one of my favorite classes in college was this like immersive advertising class where we got paired up and we made little agencies within the class like of the students and we had a client that was a local san antonio museum and we had to create like this the entire semester was us creating a campaign for them and making all the materials writing all the stuff and then from that i was like oh i have all the skill sets to work in an agency but i actually don't think i would like doing that (laughs) you know i don't think my personality you know, kind of fits into that. I think I make more sense for brand side with my interests and skill sets. But, you know, I think that was really important to learn because then what if I, you know, only pursued agency jobs and then realized I hated it or something. So I think the more hands-on experience you can get at any capacity is going to help prepare you uh, for what working in the industry actually feels like. And that's also a good point too. I think your skill set and your wants and how you work are could fit an agency environment versus internal. Like if you really like staying in your lane, your sandbox, your focus on one brand and the success of one brand, it's great to be in a brand side of thing. But if you're that type of person who wants different projects all the time and doesn't need to really see results for like years and years, some clients you have for years and years, then maybe agency is the right thing for you. So it's good to test if you like those two things before you start um so that's great advice uh last question i have for you is where could people find you and don't give out your your personal email because i don't want people to email you twitter is definitely i know i don't work there anymore and people are like are you like why do you still have a twitter like aren't you mad i'm like no i i've had my twitter since i was 14 like twitter is gonna have to go down in flames for me to go down with it like i'm gonna go down with it I love it. It's where I ship post. I've had this account for like over 10 years. Like I'm not leaving. As a cute, Twitter's always been my favorite, even before I worked at Twitter, because I think the content on Twitter is so unique and so special to where like it doesn't matter what you look like. It's literally just everyone's like shittiest thoughts and like hot takes. <laughs> and I love just like seeing professional people just like talk about like the most random things. Like I mostly post about my dog. So you can follow my dog, who is a dog influencer, at Courtney Pretzel on Instagram. And then on Twitter, I am at D underscore Trev. And then, yeah, if you want to follow all their stuff, Crayola or any of the past brands I've worked at are doing, I mean, Whataburger, 
a lot of my friends still work on their social media teams. So I think they have one of the better accounts, but I'm also incredibly biased because I did work there for a really long time. But yeah, that's a little about me. I don't actively have any podcasts or anything in the works currently. So Twitter is probably your best way to find me and see most of like my reality TV show thoughts and opinions because a lot of love is blind opinions. You know, all that hot mess of the season are currently on my Twitter. I love it. Also, go follow your dog. I think that's we 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 heard your dog for for two seconds. So, yes, Pretzel. She is hilarious. She got some airtime, which is great. We love that she got some airtime. Also, shout out to uh, the people who work at Auntie Anne's Pretzel because they sent her the funniest swag box. Uh, where she proceeded to try to eat everything in the box because her name is Pretzel. And I think National Pretzel Day is like Friday or something. So I was like, this is so nice. There's a girl on social media. She saw that my dog's name is Pretzel. And she was like, how cute. And I was like, also, I have a corgi. So like everyone's just obsessed with corgis because they're adorable. And mine has a tail. So she's she thinks she's a little special. But uh, she definitely gets stuff sent to her. So she thinks she's the best. <laughs> Also, that's a incredible brand play right there. Like dog named pretzels, like giving pretzels. That's incredible for the social team there. We honestly didn't even think of it like that. We were just like we really like names, and we had a list of forty names, and we had her for three days before we named her because I just wanted to make sure her name like made sense with her personality. And she's a tricolor corgi, so her coloring looks like a pretzel. So she's very cute. I love it. Well, thank you so much for joining. This has been great, and I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.